Guys, good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Church in the Valley. Uh, Before we get started on the message, I wanted to actually introduce uh, some friends that we have with us uh, this morning. Um, If you've been around Church in the Valley for a while, uh, you may know that we we have kind of a team that we have worked with in the past and who we support in the connection ministry. uh, Martha Moore, who used to be a part of Christian Challenge, uh, the collegiate ministry under Neil Walker at USC. And Martha has been in Europe, uh, specifically in Germany and in Spain, helping really students uh, commit their lives to Christ and uh, really helping them understand what it means to be a disciple of him. And then also creating a group that they uh, can really learn what it means to walk together in community as they follow Christ. And today uh, we actually have a team uh, from Germany, two different places in Bonn, Germany and in Jena, Germany. If you guys could stand, we'd like to welcome you here to Church in the Valley. Let's give them a welcome. Thank you guys. You can have a seat. Um, these guys are from, like I mentioned, the C- connection. And uh, right now they are a part of two collegiate ministries in Bonn and uh, in Jena. Uh, same ministry, two different cities uh, in Germany. And uh, they've been here over the last couple weeks. They were a part of the spring break at Hume Lake that the USC Christian Challenge Ministry went to uh, last week. And they've been here uh, this past week learning more about Church in the Valley, learning more about uh, Christian challenge at USC and really uh, also serving. Uh, they, they came here uh, this morning and help kind of see what we do at Church in the Valley, help set up and, and all sorts of things. And so uh, they are here uh, to learn and also to share some about their ministry. And so they have a table out on the resource uh, section by our table uh, and they're going to be there after the service. So I encourage you to, to go meet them, go say hello. Uh, they have some different materials that they can share with you about what they're doing, but uh, I greatly appreciate uh, all of you guys and what you're doing really across uh, across the world in Europe. I, I was uh, spent a lot of my years in, in England and Europe. It just really needs Jesus. There's no other way to put it. And so what these guys are doing, they're really trying to push back the darkness with the light of Jesus Christ. And and so if you can just take some materials and learn about what they're doing, pray for them. I know that they would would greatly appreciate that. So I just wanted to let you know. Uh, we're really glad all of you are here and a special warm welcome to our German friends. So uh, today we're wrapping up the series called uh, Fools on Parade that you could see there. And uh, today we're talking about the spotlight and the shadows. We're going to be talking about the last uh, two foolish patterns that you can find in the scriptures. And throughout this series, we've been looking at kind of foolish strategies that we all deal with, that we battle with and how that causes problems in our lives. And if you haven't been here for all of the series, I'm going to catch you up really quick. So today we're going to wrap up uh, two of the last fools that we're going to meet. And then we're going to talk about well, where do we go from here? Where, where do we go once we've kind of identified some of the issues that we have? Where does help come from? And so we're going to talk about that as well. But as a way of review, I just kind of want to catch everybody up. Uh, problems that we experience in life actually uh, come from most of the time within us. Um, A lot of things can happen to us, but there's a lot of things that happen to us because of what's in us, in our hearts specifically. And we started talking about the problems we all have in our heart and that we have a sad heart, uh, hearts that are selfish, uh, that are arrogant, and that can cause damage to people. And selfishness is just this idea of, I want what I want. And that's true of my life. I can be pretty selfish. There's a lot of things that I want in my life. There's a lot of things that I want people to do for me, Um, people I love. Friends, acquaintances, whoever it is. And a lot of times when I have a goal for somebody else, 
That kind of comes from some selfishness I have. Uh, arrogance is not only just wanting what you want, but thinking that you deserve it. And we all can tend to live that. We, we have kind of a goal. Not only do we want the goal, but we think this goal is my right to have. And so we end up pursuing it many times at, at any cost. And then the last thing, arrogance, this idea of I'm willing to hurt somebody to get what I want. And oftentimes we don't think in terms of damaging people uh, physically, but sometimes we can damage people emotionally by just having our eyes set on something that we really want. We can just take kind of that leverage, take our power, take our words, take our actions, and we can come against people. And so this causes all sorts of problems. Well, what tends to happen is these things in our heart are deep within us. Uh, We don't tend to think about them a lot, but they actually do produce a lot of action. And so even though we don't think about them, you can see kind of the seeds of them in life. And in fact, the last three weeks we've been talking about kind of foolish patterns that we can have that flow out of selfishness. And those were the first three fools that we looked at. And so these fools in this series come from the Hebrew different variations of the word fool. In English, we have the word fool. But in Hebrew, what the Old Testament was written in, you have like nine variations. And so each variation has a different kind of characteristic and a different flavor of that same English word. So it's really helpful as you dig into the scriptures to kind of draw out what what does that mean? And so the first week when we looked at uh, the problems from our heart, uh, kind of led into the, the second week of the series, which looked at a specific fool called the easy way fool. And you'll see there by that face that kind of sums it up. Uh, this is really a fool that, that they want the easy way. They want the magic key. They kind of want the path of least resistance in everything that they do. Ease is really, really important to this fool. And when they don't get what they want or when somebody's saying, hey, you're kind of slacking your responsibilities, they can tend to blow up in anger once they get caught. And so two weeks ago, we looked at the reactive way fool. This also flows out of our selfish hearts. Uh, This is the fool that gets upset easily, wants to control people, maybe wants to badger them. Uh, They have kind of an idea of how they want things to go. And if people don't align with that, they react. And so their reactions are kind of their tool that they use to get what they want. And then last week, we talked about the fun way fool. And we kind of talked about how there's just something in all of us where fun is, is appealing. And, you know, you look at this guy and it kind of shows that it's more than just fun. There's actually scheming that goes on because when fun and pleasure is your number one goal, then you tend to look at every circumstance and every situation with an idea of how, how can I make this enjoyable for me? How can I make this fun? And if something's not fun, how can I turn this around to make it fun? And, you know, once you kind of get your eyes set on fun and pleasure being your number one goal, you tend to make a lot of really unwise decisions. And so we kind of spent this time looking at these things that we all battle with. And it's not really to make us feel like we're the scum of the earth, but kind of identify. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get the question, why why did I do that? Because I'm relating to somebody and maybe I'm stressed out and maybe they're stressed out. And I think, well, why did I say that? Why do I do that? Well, a lot of times it comes from this stuff in our heart. It comes from within us. And so it's helpful to look at these to identify the issues, but plus We really need help because what we feel and what's in our hearts makes a lot of sense to us. And that can cause a lot of problems if we don't keep that in check. And so today we're going to kind of turn the corner after we look at the next two fools to say, well, what what do we do? Instead of just feeling bad and beating ourselves up, what what do we do? And so let me just kind of tie up the rest of the characters in our parade that we've been showing. The, uh, the, The fourth fool 
doesn't come from selfishness as much as it comes from arrogance. Okay, and this is the halal fool. Uh, you'll see there the glory way fool, the halal. That's the, the Hebrew word to halal. And you'll see there uh, this gal's taking a selfie. Now, that begs the question, Alex, are you trying to tell me that I love glory every time I take a selfie? I'm not going to answer that question. Because I have taken a few myself. But no, I'm not saying that just if you take a selfie, you like glory. But it's kind of the epitome of you just... There's a camera that you could take a lot of pictures of a lot of different things, but at the end of the day, why would I want to when I'm here? Okay. So that's just, that's not to say selfies are bad. It's just to illustrate the point of there's a bunch of people here, but not anyone that looks like this, you know, and that kind of is rooted in this, the glory way fool. And it's actually the halal word there is, is linked to the word halela in the scriptures, which is where we get the word hallelujah, which means to praise God. And that's where you see kind of the corner turn on this fool. Things that we should give to God to praise him and him alone. Actually, we can end up praising ourselves. And so there's a thing with this fool specifically that the praise that's due God, they tend to circumvent him and, and focus it on themselves. And so that, that causes a lot of problems. When you want your own glory and your own fame, you tend to make a lot of decisions to, to do that. Kind of get the spotlight on you. And that's why today's called the spotlight and the shadows. And so what about the shadow? Well, the last fool we're going to talk about today is the predatory wave fool, the Nabal. And you'll see a picture there. Okay, you get a sense. Okay, that guy's he's trouble. But oftentimes the predatory wave fool, they're not going to have that look necessarily. You know, because you stay away from that guy. But there's some things going on in this person's heart where they take this damage, the sad heart, the damage kind of wanting to hurt people, and they, they really take it to the extreme. And you see that in our culture. You see that in our world. People that really do damage other people, emotionally, spiritually, physically, they cause a lot of problems. And this is rooted from what's going on in their heart. There's some things that have happened. They, they just they have a choice. They, they really want to harm people. And so this fool's not as common, but it does exist. So it's, it's our role really in the church to protect uh, from these fools and in, in workplace and in relationships and family life. These people really need to be watched out for because they can cause a lot of havoc, a lot of problems. And so this is really a cool person. But if they have the choice, they want harm for somebody not good. OK, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today as well. But let me kind of go back and introduce you to the, the glory way fool, the halal. And because I think there's something in all of us where, you know, we, we do like to talk about ourselves and we do like to be popular and we do like kind of the focus on ourselves sometimes. And that in itself isn't going to maybe lead us to this fool. But there's some things in our hearts that we have to deal with, which is, you know, when we have a choice to praise somebody, do we want to kind of praise ourselves or praise somebody else? And so there's always a tension that that we have to manage. And so the glory way fool uh, desires praise and glory above all else. They want the spotlight on them at all times. They just, they want the spotlight. They want the attention. They want the fame. They want the notoriety. They just want it. It's what their life is about. Um, Psalm 75 has this uh, description of this type of fool. It says, I say to the boastful, do not boast. And to the wicked, wicked, do not lift up your horn. Do not lift up your horn on high or speak 
with haughty neck. There's a sense of like an animal that's saying like, I, I'm the man. I'm going to lift up my horn. I'm going to show everyone how good I am. In the animal kingdom, you think, okay, that's, that's what animals do. But we can tend to do that as humans as well. Look at me. Look at my stuff. Look at what I have to offer. Praise me. Focus on me. And we do that in different ways. But one of the animals that you see this is, is the peacock. Now, does that have, don't look at me? Does peacock, is it just like, don't look at me, guys. I'm, I'm just a peacock. No, it's like, bam! What do you think? Right? And, and if that's not enough, they have this noise. I don't know if you've ever heard of peacock, but just in case you miss the wingspan with the little dots, it kind of like, I might get hypnotized by that thing. They just, Aah! I've been working on that for seven years. Aah! Just look at me, hear me, focus on me. Now in the animal world, you're like, it's just, it's just a peacock. But the interesting thing is there's, there's peacocks in different areas in the San Gabriel Valley. And in fact, there's some neighborhoods where peacocks will walk in the middle of the street. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that? Like, I get you have a big wingspan, but a car will run you over. <laughs> so it doesn't really make any sense. But the lesson here is like what the scripture's saying. You know, do, do not boast. Do not spread your fame and the good you think you are and just strut down the middle of the street. Because life will actually run you over. It's true. And so the, this warning in Psalm is saying, in the Psalms is saying, you know, you don't want to do that. You don't want to put your neck out there and say, look at me, I'm, I'm the best. It's, it's actually a warning to not, not be like this, not be like this, this peacock. And so the key tool of the glory way fool is pushiness. Because as soon as the spotlight gets off you, you've got to maneuver to get it back on you. Oh, wait, wait, not everyone's looking at me. So what can I do to get the attention back? I need to say something funny. I need to do something that will get the attention. I need to look good. I need to be good. So as soon as the spotlight's off, you want to push. You pushiness. It's just a sense of I need the spotlight. I need the spotlight. I need the spotlight. And so you you tend to run people over because you're you're chasing after the spotlight. People don't matter. What matters is you having the attention that you think you deserve. Okay. So the key tool is pushiness. I'm going to walk through some other characteristics. Uh, this isn't again to identify in others. It's kind of saying, do I do any of this? So it's always helpful to kind of take this and, and look inward first. So here's the glory way approach to life. Talk incessantly about themselves. Uh, take shortcuts on, on leadership and power. So however they can get to the place where they get the most attention or the most spotlight, they're, they're willing to take shortcuts. Even if that's wrong. Because again, they, they want the spotlight. They push to get on top through lying, threats, even violence. Uh, in our culture... Historically, these would be like the mafia dawn. Like they want the spotlight, they want notoriety, and they use crime as a way to do that, to get status. Okay? And, and so you, you kind of see that coming out. And then in a group or an organization, they cause damage by uh, undermining the leaders over them. Because, again, the leader may have more attention than they do. So how, do, how can they strategize? How can they gossip? How can they maneuver to get the status that the leader has. Uh, they create their own posse. Well, if I'm not the leader of this group, then I'm just going to come up here and make, create my own group, and I am the leader of it. Then I get the spotlight back, and then I can put my feathers out. So you can see, this is kind of a step 
further than these other fools. Because right here you see a lot of the maneuvering behind the scene. See a lot of the under the table dealings to kind of get what this fool wants. Um, and then they, they drive division in groups. Uh, key characteristics of this fool, boastful, self-promoting, scheming. Now, you think, well, that's so easy to identify. Who, who's just talking about themselves a lot and who's promoting themselves? But really, it's, it's subtle a lot of times. And these things where you have to kind of check your own heart. When I'm talking, am I usually talking about myself and what I've done? And how good I am or how I can solve problems or about how I have an answer to someone's problem. So there's a sense in which you have to be careful in what I'm sharing and in what I'm doing. Am I really trying to get the spotlight on me? Oftentimes it's subtle. We don't realize that this kind of comes from a place of pride. This comes from a place where we want the spotlight to beam on us. Uh, Psalm 73 has this description of kind of what this looks like over the course of of time if you don't deal with this. It says, therefore, pride is their necklace, talking about this glory way fool, like their necklace, like it's, it's an ornament that I'm showing off. Like I'm, I'm number one. I'm the best. Their pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. So you just get a look like, I'll take you out if you don't do what I want. Uh, their eyes swell out through fatness, their hearts overflow with follies. They're just so full of themselves, it's like they're exploding. That's the picture. Uh, they scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Okay, so you see there's a key there. The glory way fool is always contemplating. Mm, I don't know if God's real in this situation. How can God really know what I'm doing? And really knowing him, does that really make a difference? Because once you start to factor God in, then you have to think, well, does he want me to have the spotlight? Does he want me to have the attention? And when you look at the scripture, God comes against pride. In fact, it says God opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. So when you want glory and this becomes a big part of your strategy, it's better to not factor God in at all. Because as soon as you recognize that he is real and he exists, you really have an issue now with what your life's about. So this is a big part of a lot of times glory way fools. There's this idea of there is no God. He's not real. He's not there. And for the people that think he is, it doesn't make a difference in their life. Because they're so incessant on just getting their way. And that self-praise. So if, if you battle with any of this, and the good thing at Church in the Valley, we don't make you stand by fool or like organize you in seats, right? But there's a part in which we, again, we have to kind of look at our hearts. Like, okay, is, is any of this of me? Or do I see any seeds of this that could lead to more problems? You know, and you have to deal with that before God, but... Here's some just practical advice for you. If you've kind of sensed you, you have some of this, how to move beyond the glory way. Choose humility and serve others. Humility is the key to overcoming the glory way. Because you're saying I'm not the most important. 
I don't need the spotlight. In fact, the way I serve, I'll put the spotlight on others. And there's a reference there. I'm not going to read it, but in Philippians 2, it's a great passage on what humility looks like practically. And what Jesus did. You put others in front of you. And so if you're battling kind of that, that boasting or you're battling kind of wanting the attention, the practical thing is when you wake up in the morning, think to yourself, how can I help somebody else? Does it mean I can get somebody breakfast in my family instead of just look for my own needs? Uh, does it mean at work I talk less about myself? As I'm relating to roommates, as I'm relating to family, is there things where I'm just going to allow them to look good in this situation instead of trying to take the, the spotlight? So humility and serving, that's really what helps us to align with the way Jesus works, because that's who he was. So when you do that, it kind of frees up this chains of glory that, that we sometimes are bound to when we, we just want the spotlight on ourselves. Okay, let's, let's talk about the predatory way fool, the Nabal, okay? Um, the, Nabal, the Nabal fool is a merciless person who plots harm. These people, they, they really do. They plot harm. They prey upon victims. And you, you can see this in the world. You could see this in culture. You could see this in America. You can see people that really are going out to try to plot harm. And really have no mercy for people. Um, Isaiah 32 describes this. It says, The fool will no more be called noble, nor the scoundrel said to the honorable, for the fool speaks folly and his heart is busy with iniquity. You get this picture of the heart? Again, busy with iniquity. It's sin. Well, all the words they're thinking about is, is getting what they want. It's sin. Plotting, harming. It's just... Busy with it. That's all they can think about. Getting on top. Getting what they want. Even if to the point of damaging others. So it's busy with iniquity. To what? To practice ungodliness. To utter error concerning the Lord. So again, you see, both these fools, they actually come against God himself. The halal, the glory way, I don't think there's a God. And surely knowing him doesn't make a difference. Then the predatory way, utter error concerning the Lord. So it's not just he doesn't exist, but we're actually going to kind of point out how God is wrong. How God doesn't work. To leave the craving of the hungry unsatisfied and deprive the thirsty of drink. So you get this just this, wow, there's no mercy there. If someone's thirsty, instead of giving them the cup, it's like you let them see the water and you dump it out. That's the sense that you get from this fool. God doesn't exist. He's not real. In fact, he's a liar. That's what the predatory way fool would say. So a lot of, lot of problems are caused by this fool, and a lot of problems happen to this, this fool as well. The key tool of this fool is, is pretense. They really can't be trusted because there's a lot of, there's a lot of pretense uh, their approach to life. I'm just going to go over some characteristics. Now, as I re- read these, there's a sense in my like, dude, this is it's like no joke. But these people are real. 
And so we, we actually have to be on guard against it. But re, check these out. Predatory way approach to life. Uh, two-faced. So they, they, they just can kind of put on the face they need to in a situation. Intensely selfish and stingy. Very harsh verbally. Cruel. Uh, inwardly plotting evil. The, the, the image of the guy, is, he's, just, he's just plotting. How can I get what I want? How can I maneuver? Uh, spread error about the God of the Bible. Squirm out of debts. So if they owe something... They're going to just figure out a way to just get out of that. Uh, maybe in the religious profession. It's kind of scary, isn't it? But what better way to prey on people than to speak error of God and then kind of claim you have authority? You have a lot of power. You can move people in a lot of directions. You've seen that in history. People that have just taken people in the religious realm off track and caused people to lose their life, even. Uh, prefer win lose. So usually most of us like if I win and you win, it's all good. Okay. Well, Jesus is, if only one can win, you let the other win. Then a ball fool is if only one can win, I win, you lose. And, and in fact, that would be my preference. If it could be win, win, I still would prefer win, lose because I'm evil. That's basically the a ball fool. Now you may think, who is this person? Well, there's a show right now called House of Cards. Okay? There's a character called Frank Underwood. And if you like the show, there's no way to say it. This guy is in a ball. Okay? He, he's, a, he's a predator. And so we're going to watch a clip that shows the ruthlessness of his character. And these are quotes directly from the series. But I want you to listen to this. It's kind of long. But I want you to listen to this because these characteristics I just said Nabals don't say they kind of come in this way, which is a little bit more slicker. But still, as you listen to them, you think, wow, that that's pretty scary. So let's watch this together. And the butchery begins. Any pugilist worth his salt knows when someone's on the ropes, that's when you throw a combination to the gut and a left hook to the jaw. In Gaffney, we had our own brand of diplomacy. Shake with your right hand, but hold a rock in your left. I've always loathed the necessity of sleep. Like death, it puts even the most powerful men on their backs. The heart can choke the mind when all its blood flows back onto itself. There can be no false steps now. The higher up the mountain, the more treacherous the path. Good things happen to good people. Avoid wars you can't win and never raise your flag for an asinine cause like slavery. When the money's coming your way, you don't ask any questions. This hurts us both, but it's not my wound to suture. Claire must be the surgeon. Only she can stop the bleeding. The road to power is paved with hypocrisy. And casualties. Never regret. It's not beginning the story that I fear. It's not knowing how it will end. Everyone is fair game now. There are two types of vice presidents, doormats and matadors. Which do you think I intend to be? The only thing more satisfying than convincing someone to do what I want is failing to persuade them on purpose. It's like a do not enter sign. It just begs you to walk through the door. From the lion's den to a pack of wolves, when your fresh meat kill and throw them something fresher. Even Achilles was only as strong as his heel. 
cry havoc, said he who fought chaos with chaos and let slip the dogs of war. Every kitten grows up to be a cat. They seem so harmless at first, small, quiet, lapping up their saucer of milk. But once their claws get long enough, they draw blood, sometimes from the hand that feeds them. For those of us climbing to the top of the food chain, there can be no mercy. There is but one rule. Hunt or be hunted. Welcome back. For those of us climbing to the top of the food chain, there can be no mercy. There is but one rule, hunt or be hunted. And the next screen is of his wife. Let's make him suffer. And these are, uh, this shows about politicians and the rise to power in D.C. And again, I'm not saying that politicians are necessarily in the balls. But they could be. Because oftentimes people in power, they, they have different means for getting there. But as you hear that, as you hear him talk, the, the, the video is called Lessons in Ruthlessness, which is interesting because we really don't need lessons in being ruthless. But you get the sense of he's saying these statements, which, you know, if you take him at the face value, they're, they're going to cause a lot of harm. But then Bob Fool, they, they make those statements and they're slick. Even if you point them out, oh, no, I, I didn't mean that. So just kind of the idea of him being a politician is, is interesting because it's what a Nabalful does. It's just they're always kind of portraying what they want you to see. These are humans. These things, this thing's going on in their heart. The selfishness, the arrogance, and then the, the damage that, that you see. Um, and so all these things, they, they cause a lot of problems. Again, this fool is, is not as common, but we have to, we have to be on guard. Uh, in Scripture, these are kind of referred to as the wolves. The wolves come to take the flock. Okay, there's idea to take them out. Uh, the key to overcoming this, it's going to take a lot of time. But even walking with Jesus can, can prevent you from going down this path. Because God is more powerful than any foolish strategy. But the key for this, this fool is become a compassionate giver. Uh, compassion really is the way to overcome that, that ruthlessness. Because if you have a choice between win or lose, uh, compassion is you want the other person to win. Which means I, I, I want it to go well for them. Not only do I not want to damage them, but I want to help them. Not only do I want to help them, but if I have a way I can do it, I'm going to try to give to that. Colossians 3, 5 through 13. I encourage you to read that on your, on your own. It talks about how you throw off these things. The flesh, as the scripture calls it. The flesh is kind of our native instincts. It's our sin pattern. It's the things that we struggle with because we're sinners. Because we've all missed the mark. Because we've all made wrong choices. Because we've all treated people in a way that doesn't please God. This passage in Colossians is saying you have to throw that stuff off and you have to actually clothe yourself with Christ Jesus. And really, I want to just kind of close out the message by really using that description of that's what it means to deal with these issues that we all deal with. Now, we have tendencies. You may be 
more of an easy way fool. You may be more of a reactive way fool, maybe the fun way. Maybe you battle some of the spotlight. But whatever kind of the things that we have going on within us, the good news is we're not too beyond God's help. And that is really the good news and the best news that we've ever heard. And that's why we need Jesus. Because if we actually were okay and pretty self-sufficient, and if really we thought our hearts were kind of good by themselves, then we really don't need somebody to save us. But the fact of the matter is, what's in our hearts and the sin that we deal with, we do need help. And we can't fix ourselves. We can't self-medicate and we can't doctor ourselves. We actually need heart surgery. We need a new heart. And that only comes from following Jesus Christ. So the good news is, wherever you are, God can help you. Even if you think, well, I've I've had this struggle my whole life, or I've battled this my whole life, or I haven't had good examples, or I just don't know how that would work in my world. I don't know how that would work in my relationships. I don't know how that would work in my work. There's a sense in which all that you see as you do like your own way is one picture. What Jesus does is as you commit to follow him and you turn your life over to him, the only picture you see gets changed. And now you see a new landscape for your life. And the picture changes. And the impact changes and your, your life begins to change. But it begins with really recognizing that God wants you to lead you away from folly and into wisdom. We started off kind of talking about foolishness and wisdom and how they're two paths. And I'm going to close with that as well, because it's so true. Foolish strategies, wanting my own way, thinking I deserve it and being willing to hurt people to get it. It's just sending me on a path. This foolish path and the fruit of it is bitter and it doesn't sustain. And the opposite is wisdom. It's God's ways, his commands, his view of things. And we all have a choice. Which path are we going to go around? Go on. And you actually can't keep one foot on one path and one foot on the other because they're going in different directions. So each day we, we have to choose. And so it begins with this idea of, you know, you have to begin to factor God into every situation of your life. And you find that in Proverbs 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is this idea that I'm going to wake up each day and recognize that he is God. And I'm living in his reality. And I have a choice whether I'm going to cooperate with him or not. The fear of the Lord is I want to cooperate with you. I actually want to do what you say. Your, thing, your thoughts on things I want to adopt and I want them to become my thoughts of things. That's the fear of the Lord. Over time, it's this idea of I'm going to take you seriously. I'm going to factor you in how I handle my money, how I handle my relationships, how I handle my work. And I'm going to figure out how to please you in every facet of my life. That's the fear of the Lord. And it's the beginning of wisdom. Now, Ecclesiastes 2.26 kind of takes that further. Once you begin to factor God in... Uh, Some things flow from that. God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to those who please him. Many times when we kind of pursue what we want, we kind of want joy. We want happiness. We want to feel good. And so we think, well, I'm just going to go on this foolish path. Because it's going to give me immediately this self-gratification. But what God's saying is on the wisdom path, 
the things that you actually want, he can give to you. And they're not just flashes in the pan. They last. They flow from wisdom. There's just knowledge and joy. Things that carry you on, even in the midst of pressures of life. Even when things go hard, there's a sense in which God is here. He knows what's going on with me. I'm not alone. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to give in to fear. And so you see this progression. Now, knowledge allows us to do this second step, which is really important. Not only to fear him and to factor him in, but, like I mentioned earlier, to put off the old ways and put on Jesus' way. See, to overcome folly doesn't mean we just don't go on that path. Or to battle selfishness, arrogance, and damage doesn't mean that we just stay neutral. We actually have to pursue the things of God which counter those things. And that's righteousness. That righteousness comes from Jesus, not from me and not from you. It's nothing that we can do to earn it. Romans 13 says this, Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Again, you get this picture of waking up each day. When you want to gratify the desires of the sinful nature, you think in terms of your day, like, what, what can I get today that's going to make me feel good? Uh, what can I do today that's going to make my life easier? What can I experience today that's going to just make me feel happy? And we just follow our heart through all these decisions. But to put on Jesus, to clothe yourselves, it's just like you get dressed in the morning, you have a choice what you're going to wear. To clothe yourself with Jesus is, okay, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to learn to get to know you. And as I read the scriptures and you give me this like picture of how to treat people, I'm going to choose to do that. And that's how you just, you're like putting on the shirt, which is kindness. You're putting on the pants of, of goodness. You're just getting yourself dressed with the way Jesus would want you to to relate to people. So this idea of it just, it, it, this is what you, you look like. This is who you are. You clothe yourself with him. This is like this description of this journey that you have. And I was thinking about this this morning. Today is, is Palm Sunday. And the people at the time of Jesus were, were welcoming Jesus in like, you know, Hosanna. And they were laying these palms down on the ground. And they were welcoming him, saying, you know, lead us. We praise you. And then less than a week later, they crucified him. And as I was thinking today, what the death of Jesus represents, and the fact that he resurrected, and what we celebrate next week. You know, what we celebrate next week, the reason that's called the good news is because of really what we've talked about this whole series. It's because really at the core of it, we're messed up people. You are and I am. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we are not good enough. We don't have the answers to the questions that are deep within our mind. There's fears that we have that we can't face. There's problems that we encounter that we don't have a solution for. And so when I think about what Jesus did, coming from this donkey to this processional of welcoming a king to being killed on a cross and then rising again, it shows me that 
as I choose him and his ways. And the power that was displayed from his rising from the dead, it's the power that can change me. That's the good news. That's why we want people to come to Easter. That's why we want people to come to church because there's people that are longing for good news. There's people that realize they have these strategies and they have this selfishness, they have this arrogance, and it's so deep within them that that's all they know. That's all they see. But at the core of Christianity is that you can change. Not because of what you've done or what you can do, but because of Jesus Christ. And that is the best news ever. So I was just thinking that in terms of the good news, the gospel that Jesus came to save us. It's really the backdrop of, of this, the fact that we need saving. So as I wrap up, I, I just want to encourage you. I don't know where each of you are. If you've never committed your life to follow Christ, you, you may be still investigating that. Is he worth it? But it begins with you've you got to decide, can, can you begin to factor him in? To your life. And if you can't, what's there that's blocking that from happening? And maybe you've been walking with Jesus a, a long time, but you've kind of been facing some things that you've just kind of thrown in the towel. And you thought, you know what? I can't really change. This is who I am. I've had these struggles and I'm going to continue to have these struggles. And you just kind of lost the, the way of, of putting on Jesus Christ each day. Maybe just right now your, your faith is like a roller coaster. It's like, I'm good, I'm not good. I'm good, I'm not good. There may be just some things that, that God's speaking to you about where you, you need to decide each day to surrender. Not just on a Sunday, but each day choose His ways in each thing that you're facing. I know that's a challenge for me. Each day when I wake up, who really am I going to live for? So I want to encourage you to think through those things. There's a promise in Colossians, which I want to close out with. And it says, in him, that's talking about Jesus. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So wisdom is the ability in each situation you face to do the thing that's going to please God. So it's, what scripture saying is, in Jesus, there's this treasure that can change our life we can actually figure out how to live life to its full, God's way. And we have to move past our foolish tendencies and we have to actually live for Him. And so I want to encourage you, uh, on the connection card, there's some next steps. And there's three that you can take today. And each week we decide, how, how can we kind of take what we've been learning and apply it to our life? Because again, it's in the doing that the blessing comes. Um, but the first one is, if you've never committed your life to Christ, maybe you need to do that today. Maybe you just need to decide, you know, I, I've really just kind of been living my life from selfishness, arrogance, and damage. And so committing your life to Christ is saying, you know, I don't want to be in control anymore of my life and just decide what's best for me, but I'm going to allow you to do that, Jesus. I'm going to allow you to be in the driver's seat of, of my life. Uh, the second is, uh, every day this week, ask God to help me overcome foolish strategies. If you've noticed a pattern in you, just in kind of how you relate, or how you react, how you operate, how you scheme, how you strategize, whatever it is, maybe you just need to pray and ask God, God, will you help me with that? And see, 
see him begin to come through because he is the one who changes us. And the last is uh, just invite you to, to think through some people you can invite to Easter next week to hear really the good news of Jesus Christ. And maybe you can pray for somebody to invite and to invite them uh, next week. So I encourage you to do that. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing and then the offering is going to come by and you can uh, go ahead and drop your completed uh, connection card in there. I also just want to thank all of all of you uh, and just the way you give and tithe to Church in the Valley and your generous gifts. Uh, really what you guys give allows us to do what we do as a church. And so I just really appreciate that. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the good news that we find in, in the scriptures and we find in the person of Jesus Christ that despite what we've done and the things that we think about, you give us the power to change. And I just pray for the defeated this morning that just feel like they, they can't move forward, feel like they're stuck. I, I ask God that your power will pull them out of the pit that they're in. And I, I pray for anyone who's just not factoring you into their life. God, will you open their eyes to see how you make a difference? And God, for all of us, help us to realize that in you, uh, we have the power to change. And I thank you so much for Jesus Christ who, who's delivered us from ourselves. So we thank you and, and we just want to sing this truth back to you in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.